Hello and thank you for tuning in to Bourbon Bowl Podcast. My name is Stefan Bernard, um, one half of the co-founders of the Bourbon Bowl Fantasy Rugby Draft League. Calling in all the way from Stellenbosch, South Africa. This is our first podcast, myself and my other co-founder Wesley Mandel, tuning in all the way from East London, South Africa. Been doing fantasy rugby drafts for well, a good couple of years. We would say about 2014 was our first draft. Bourbon Bowl wasn't the name of the league back then. We were messing around with a few names until we found something that stuck. Um, being bourbon lovers, sipping on one now, actually a little monkey shoulder, one of my personal favorites. Um, welcome, Wesley, and uh, say hi to the people. Hi to the people. I'm Wesley, the other co-founder of Bourbon Bowl, and this newly minted bourbon bowl podcast uh, this is obviously our first episode um, looking forward to it looking forward to chatting about rugby and multiple sports going forward hopefully but of course it's super rugby season and that's where we will uh, focus in on um, sipping on a little maker's mark this evening just to keep the throat wet and uh, we're gonna have some fun good choice good choice um yeah Look, first podcast, so we might sound a little rusty, but as the season goes on, we'll 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 get there. We'll still be rusty. Yes, we'll still be rusty, but now we, we we're kind of sitting at the rebels' mark. Um, <laughs> hopefully, we'll turn into the Crusaders by the end of the season with our podcast. Um, segments for you guys today is we're going to be obviously reviewing game week one, some matches more entertaining than others. Then we're going to just switch into some game week two predictions. Um, obviously. As we saw from Game Week 1, lineups were pretty out there. We had some weird and wonderful selections by some coaches. A lot of rookies starting, which is it's nice. You know, it gets us to see what's available in the future of Super Rugby. First game up, Friday Friday morning, our time. Um, obviously, there's it's been shortened by half an hour now, apparently, in New Zealand for, they call it family-friendly hours. Not sure if you heard about that, Wes. Uh, no, no, I haven't. But... Um, Blues versus Chiefs. Blues versus Chiefs. Yeah, tale of two halves. Same self-destructing Blues. <laughs> and um, yeah, that that we've basically basically come to know in in recent seasons that the Blues are always going to give you something to hold out hope for, and then let you down in the dying minutes of the game. Oh yes, yeah. I mean, especially with Uncle Rico showing his his class back. Also, the Chiefs just kind of proved to me as well that they can kind of live without DMAC at the moment. News is he's probably going to sit out the next game too against the uh, Crusaders, so it's something to watch. They just don't think they want to rush him in from this little thing he had a tight hamstring or groin. And look, it's not worth risking the guy. You know, he's you want the guy healthy. He is a game changer, especially for, yeah. the, for the Chiefs. But look, yeah, for me, Aaron Cruden came back. He's, well, I mean, I don't know about you. I think we both expected him to fail being at the age he's at and the sort of rugby he came from but uh, he, he shone for me I don't know what you think yeah absolutely I mean he, he changed the dynamic of the game in that second half I must say same with with someone like Anton Leonard Brown coming in suddenly the Chiefs were running forward onto the ball and they just seemed to lift the spirits of the rest of the team oh yeah yeah I mean he replaced Nankivalu I had on my fantasy rugby draft team um didn't do me any favors but still won still won the game week how did your how did your week go yeah I mean I top of the log right now so first week was good but um oh that's fantastic yeah, but of course some bad news i mean you're talking about uncle rico being back and looking good and suddenly he's got a fractured hand and we we expect him to be out for at least four weeks as reports say 
and and the Blues can ill afford to lose him. Yeah, so I saw another article saying six. Yeah, no, it's at, at least a month. So it depends. So we're looking at a four to six week break, and that's so, and that's not ideal for guys that. I mean, you obviously picked him first up, and I think this is your second season now. You had Martelli first round last year, and he got you a good couple of games before you went out for the season. Yeah, no, I remember that all too well. No, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 a tough laugh out there. Yeah, look. Furthermore, from this game, Triple T not looking good at at scrum off there. Weber needs to start, and it's just proven now that he needs to start that game. Also, Cruden, um, Caleb Trost did all right. You know, service serviceable fly off. He's he's the guy that's going to shift the ball on to the playmakers. He's not going to do anything special himself. Highly rated in New Zealand though as a youngster, so maybe he just needs a good couple of games to to get going. Um, to me, just the Chiefs forwards, you could see they missed Jacobson a bit with his high defensive rate and workload. But when he comes back, I think that Chiefs forward pack could get a bit more dominancy. Yeah, other than that, the Chiefs Chiefs came back wonderfully in that second half. Beautiful. Alamano, he was pretty quiet in the beginning, if I'm not mistaken, and then sort of rushed it in there towards the end. I mean, as all the Chiefs did in the last 20 or so. Yeah, I got a bit nervous about Alamano. I mean, he's, he's also on my team. and um, But yeah, of course, you know, talking to the two halves, he came back in the minute there was some flow to the Chiefs attack and, and he finished off well for me there. i got to say, all in all, the Chiefs look the business. You know, to think what damage they can do when DMAC actually does come back. Um, Sean Stevenson, very serviceable at the back there. But uh, Damien's an absolute game breaker. And of course, they're going to get uh, guys like Cruden starting soon, Leonard Brown starting. They'll have Luke Jacobson back. He looks like he'll probably miss at least the next two, possibly three weeks, but hopefully back strong. Um, very impressive uh, debut, I must say, by Quintupai. I've got him on my team as well. Picked him up last minute, desperate, and he he really he did wonders for me. And you know, I he looks deceptively strong on the on the carry. Uh, very good footwork. So very impressed. He seemed to yeah, not a, not a big guy for a set for an outside center, but he did the. I mean, he he made guys miss. You know, also I think he bumped off one or two guys. So like you say deceptively strong yeah yeah which is what which is what you want that's it no, no, he definitely gets out that first tackle yeah so I, i'm not sure how much longer he'll he, he'll start for you've got Tamur manu will be back uh fairly soon and i'm not sure where he stands in the pecking order with nankerville being there as well so time will tell no yeah, well yeah look old gatlin the the new coach he seems to award form uh, he's shown it throughout his coaching career so if our Quinn does keep up this form, I mean, it'll be difficult to bench him. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. So it'll be something to look forward to. Also, maybe a player to to stash if you do have him. And tomorrow Manu comes back and starts, or Nankerville starts. And like I say, I mean, with those guys, one injury and you've got a a guy that you got on the cheap, basically off the waiver wire, starting for you and getting you decent points. Yeah, I can only hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, Blues. Not too much to speak about except that uh, per future. Doesn't look like he's going to be sticking around to that number 10 jersey when Bowden comes back, or even, I don't even know if he's going to play fullback or any sort of thing like that. He's didn't look too hot. Came, got decent fantasy points, but in the actual game, he just he just wasn't, I don't know what your opinion is, but he wasn't too hot for a guy that's been hopped up for so many years. Yeah, look, as, as a 10 and, and as a team's kicker, the first thing you've got to do is be able to take the points when they're on offer. He he missed a few sitters um in that first game and that's something he's got to go back to the drawing board and work on because he he could quite easily lose that place 
just to someone who's going to be more reliable with the boot. You know, Terry Black is not far off from being healthy. And, you know, Para Franchise definitely excites me more as a playmaker. Uh, he's He's got to shake off that rust, though, and get those points because ultimately that was one of the deciders in the game. Exactly, yeah. Um, another player that stood out for me and uh, Mr. Akira Iwani is going to battle his old Hoskins, so, uh, Soturu. He's, he looked the business. Um, I know in fantasy he got about 20.1 points, if I'm not mistaken. Not a lot of people looked at him, but apparently, according to Leon McDonald, he was chosen on form over Akira Iwani, and uh, that, that, that says a lot about the guy, you know. Akira Iwani is a, a specimen in his own right, and um, to be overtaken like this, just out of the blue, it must show you that maybe the guys at the Blues organization are also telling Akira that uh, it's, it's not, it's not going to be plain sailing for him for that All Blacks H jersey either. No, absolutely, and I mean, it never was while while Hansen was coach either. Um, he often, you know, the fans thought he was getting overlooked, but Hansen made a point about his uh, work rate around the breakdown. Um, he he loves to make big hits in the tackle. He loves to make these dynamic runs, but you need a guy who's going to do the hard graft when, when it matters most, you know, in that test style of rugby. And I think where Hoskins stood out for me was he showed that ability to still break run out into open space, make moves just like Akira can. But on the other hand, he made all these tackles around the fringes. He got involved in rack play and he was quite a disruptive uh, force, particularly in that first half. Yeah, no, yeah, and that's what you need from number eight, regardless of who the name is. And um, yeah, look, Akira, I mean, we've said it for, I think, a good portion of last year, how lazy he looked and actually looked like he picked up a bit of weight and just wasn't seemed, didn't seem interested, you know. And uh but other than that, oh, look, Marchand was serviceable for his first game in the Blues Colors. I think it's going to take him a few games to get used to the the fast-paced style of Super Rugby. TJ Fahani also looked pretty good, so that center pairing seems to be seems to be fine. Well, it, it has to be now with Rico not being in for the four six weeks, and he was set to play in the midfield. But uh, I mean, as all the articles say, and as I believe, Rico's an out-and-out winger. He's one of the best finishers in world rugby at the moment. So. And he's back to his original weight where he debuted on. So the guys, like you said to me now the other day, the guys, looks like he's committed. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I've been concerned about this move to, to midfield. I'm glad he's listed uh, as a midfielder in fantasy because that position is so thin. Um, but I, I'd be concerned about his playmaking ability. That's what you want from a 12, especially, you know, somebody looking to play uh, closer to the 10 and getting involved in the action. You need to create for the guys on your outside, and it, it's not going to just be a case of being able to run it up and bump everybody over and look for contact and that. Um, so, yeah, I, I believe Rico's a winger uh, personally as well, um, out-and-out finisher, and not necessarily the guy that, that's going to create um, anything fancy for you on the inside. I know that he's going to get his opportunity there, and I, I hope he proves me wrong. Um, but at this stage, I would say, you know, one of the world's best wingers, at, at least at some point he was, let's uh, leave him in his best position. Yeah, look, you you got proven proof with old D-Mac, and the Chiefs moved him to number 10. He just wasn't the player that he was born to be. Shift him back to 15, and the guy's back to world class. So you get guys that you assume could move into any position, but once they're in that position that they're so good at, I mean, uh, they're hard to, hard to replace. Um, anything else about that game for you, Wiz? Yeah, I just want to mention Mark Talia. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Also thought he, he would be one of my players to watch going forward. 
you know, with Rico being sidelined, you got to start looking at, you know, predicting what your, your back three might look like. And I think Talia basically secured his spot. There's potential that Duffy will have to shift from 15 to the wing uh, to allow someone, you know, outside. Uh, Inari, I think. Uh, I'll stand corrected <laughs> on the name if I'm wrong there. We'll get that right next time. But, um, yeah, it's, it still looks exciting. Still lots yes, of youngsters yeah. um, throughout New Zealand rugby, actually. We just hope that the Blues eventually pull something together and get a win. Yeah, well, they just need to copy-paste, really, first half to second half. You know, I think they just took the foot off the pedal, which got, got them that big lead in the first half, and it, it, it cost them dearly, especially a team like the Chiefs. Um, right, next game up was Brumbies versus Reds. Yeah, for me, that was a typical Aussie derby. A few knock-ons here and there. It was a bit scrappy to get going. But then once they opened up, they opened up pretty well, especially the Reds. They also they pulled the Blues well, in the opposite direction, actually. They started off slow and then picked up towards the end. Let a lead slip to the Brumbies. But uh, Lolisio looked decent for uh, a rookie number 10 that's filling Brumbies shoes, especially old Lelefano shoes. It was basically a battle of future stars for Australian rugby. Noel Olicio versus you know, Isaac Lucas in that number 10 jersey. And I definitely think that uh, Lolicio of the two looked the more complete player. He's He's got, really, it's the composure that stood out to me for such a youngster. And in interviews leading up to it, he didn't feel the pressure. He just, he loves the game of rugby. And no matter what level he's playing at, he's just going to play his natural game. And I, I think that actually showed, you know, he really looked um, composed even when they were, were down and a big part of of why they came came back in that second half as well. Yeah, I, I just noticed actually when they ran onto the field how he was actually like smiling and choking and high-fiving the players and giving handshakes around. So I didn't see many nerves there and I was kind of worried. I thought maybe he's too complacent, but you know his performance proved that he he was ready for that game. Um, the Reds, for me, they, they look like a young team. Obviously, both teams are young, but uh, the, the, the old man stood out, or Henry, Henry Spate, Scoring a try, getting the record for scoring against every team, including the Brumbies who he used to play for. Now that's that's a record worth definitely worth having. In fantasy wise, both front rows actually, I believe you got the Brumbies. I got the Reds front row were were pretty poor fantasy wise. Yeah, no, uh, well, uh, <laughs> you got to laugh when when your front row scores a try and and gets an assist and they still end up on about two point two points. I think my Brumbies front row ended on there. So, yeah, bitterly disappointed in that. And no cards. That was the first thing I looked at when I when I looked at the stats was, or did somebody get, you know, get a yellow or something like that? But no, just purely penalties, purely mistakes, dropping the ball. Um, that's it. And and that's it. That's where all my points drained to. Uh, no, same, with, same with the Reds front row. Exactly the same situation for me. That old um, Tupo was knocking guys over, so I thought, oh, yeah, we go. You know, the points are coming in now for the Reds. And then all of a sudden, I see they are on negative points. That's because of the scrum penalties and turnovers, knock-ons. And we look, and we are on standard scoring, so it's not like we've chipped anything for extra points for missed tackles or turnovers or anything. So it just shows you how much of a real Aussie derby that actually was. No, absolutely. They always tend to be a little bit, uh, I wouldn't call scrappy, but they, they're very tight contested. However, yeah, both wingers scored, you know, for each side. Spade got his try. Tom Wright, phenomenal. Uh, he honestly, to me, looks like he could be a Wallaby tomorrow. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Last year, he was battling to get some game time. But now I see 
well, especially with that footwork and the, the speed, I think he's he's locked up that position. Uh, very strange with the Tony Pulu situation, though, because he's not a bad winger himself. I mean, coming from the Chiefs, he was he was quite a monster. So interesting to see where they actually fit him in, or maybe there's something behind the scenes we don't know about. Uh, like I say to you, we hardly ever get any Aussie news this side. A lot of New Zealand news, but Aussie news, we rarely get too much of that. Um, maybe we can find a source on Twitter or somewhere like that to get more information. But yeah, Tony Pulu coming back, it'll be interesting to see. Maybe they'll give them a few games each to start and then take the hot form from there. Yeah, that's it. I mean, look, Tom, Tom completely stood up. Uh, he clearly wants to be in that position. He's obviously got ambition. Um, they played Al Solomon Alcarta on the other side there, so that was also his debut for the Brumbies and he looked good at too. this level. He looked good, um, but I would say out, outshone at this point. So uh, I think all those guys would eventually be fighting for spots, and that's what you want. You want competition. You want guys to uh, make each other better. Yeah, he even, lo- he even looks like he could play number 12, a big busting 12. I mean, him and Kurandrani next to each other would be would be scary combo. He, I mean, he... he he basically looks like almost the same size as Lamape. Um, obviously not as quick. Uh, Lamape is deceptively quick for a man, you know, with his with his stature. But um, I heard, or not heard, sorry, I read a few articles that uh, he could even play 12 just to, you know, see where, where his best fit is. He is technically a midfielder, according to reports and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see if they maybe shift him and if they want to fit pull her in somewhere and so yeah, and more importantly he's considered a mid in in fantasy and once again that's a very thin position so we want as many of those mids to play as possible yeah yes it's right next was sharks versus bulls um very very good essay derby that was it's one of the most looked after derbies on the on the on the schedule sharks versus bulls always gets the crowd going um what do you rate to that game Wes? I know you're a Sharks fan. Yeah, so I suppose positive in the end, um, but a very scrappy affair. Um, obviously, always a tight contest, uh, lots of forwards involved in those games, uh, lots of crash ball. There was a few occasions where you know frustration kicked in with um, the, the Sharks, for example, getting into the 22 and then playing one-off runners and uh, eventually some forward knocked the ball on or something along those lines very typical of of sa derbies um but of course uh, at the end two game breakers by the sharks and and the tries ultimately won that game the bulls trying to turn the clock back there with old mornay stain um mr mornay stain <laughs> yeah welcome back you know got all the points for the bulls and that but very very surprised that uh, a guy like uh, Monty Lebok of his caliber didn't didn't even get a single minute. You know, being being down at a certain point on the scoreboard, you'd almost think that a change is inevitable. You know, bring somebody on that can give you something different. But uh, the Bulls went the cons- more tech minded. That's it, yeah. Bulls went the conservative route, and it didn't pay off. Yeah, I noticed a lot of they did the typical Bulls game plan of a lot of up and unders, and. Um, I think I mentioned to you while the game was going on that Halant and Conor Hendricks and um, uh, who was the other winger were, were, were terrible under the high ball. I mean, as a 15, especially Halant, you would expect him to take those nine times out of 10. He was just dropping everything. His timing was off. It was it was horrid. Um, and I mean, a lot of them have played with Mornestan for a good couple of years. So you'd think, you know, the chemistry would be there. But they need they need a change of they need a change of blood. Um, whether it's in coaching or in the, in that team, they their old ways haven't worked for a good couple of years. I mean, when was their last 
championship in 2007 when Abana scored in in that injury time game, if I'm not mistaken. So surely after some drought, and they were one of the top teams. I mean, they were making quarterfinals, semifinals pretty easily. So yeah, I don't know what what's your take on how the Bulls should change things. Yeah, I mean they got to change the entire dynamic. Um, they've got to start playing rugby for now. It's it's become a, a game of, of ball in hand, more tech-minded. Um, not necessarily more speed per se, but more mobility all around the park. Um, I was looking at that loose trio this this past weekend and they didn't seem to have anyone that was playing the role of an out-and-out fetcher. Um, they seem to go typical of most SA sides, they go for uh, more bulk in the pack, um, but don't ha- quite have the balance of, say, a team like the Stormers, who have that bulk as well as mobility. And um, so they need to completely modernize their way of thinking there, and yeah, and definitely blood something yeah. new. The Sharks did have that mobility when they had the, the Dupree twins, but now they obviously all moved on. That's it, yeah. Um, the Sharks still looking to go that mobile route. Uh, with a little bit of sacrifice to the weight of the pack. So I think going forward, that might be their, their biggest concern is how they're going to hold up in scrum situation um, and and those moments in the game that Driving involve balls. really tight play. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll see, you know, um, Sean Everett's gone the route of out-and-out fetcher with James Fenter. I uh, picked him up last minute on my fantasy team, really impressed with what he did in Curry Cup. Uh, didn't quite translate in the first game, but I still think he had a solid outing. Lots of tackles made, didn't miss any. Um, so uh, he did get one turnover as well. Um, so all in all, a, a solid performance uh, first up for him. And I think he's going to be a big part of the game plan going forward as well. And uh, that entire trio of, you know, James Fenter, Sukumbuze uh, Noche, um He's always been a, a mobile number eight, and I look forward to him being there and giving something different in the future as well. I mean, being a Sharks fan, all the best, guys, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty good at the Stormers, so I'm sure you would bring that same dynamic, you know, very much a game-breaker too in the forward pack. You know, you can get your clean, thin break and a, a decent assist with his sort of speed, you know, for a guy of his, his size and uh, his heart especially. Yeah, absolutely, he... He punches well above his weight. Um, the thing that impressed me the most about him at the Storm is even more so than his running ability with ball in hand was was his defense. Um, yeah, that comes across as a small guy, but definitely punches above his weight and he can bring down the best of them. Yeah, which is which is what you need, especially with the loss of the Dupree twins who obviously, you know, their tackles were, were pretty solid and they went straight up again to fetch the ball. Now, I think that's what Sharks are going to need out of him. Um also, a debut for Ox Noche from, from the Cheetahs. Um, had, had a bit of a, a, a battery fingers, lost a few balls in contact and things for a big guy. Um, future of Sharks rugby, Ox, rate him many at all? Yeah, always been a fan of Ox. Um, obviously, playing for the Cheetahs, they've, you know, they play a very running style of rugby. He's going to bring that to the Sharks as well. Um, big shoes to fill, you know, taking the place of, of Beast scrummaging and things like that are, are going to be tested um i definitely think he'll create some excitement in loose play going forward obviously you know uh, playing at the shark tank now lots of humidity in durban those sorts of conditions um and and handing practice are going to have to come into play 
but um yeah i definitely see a future for him there um i would say overall concern with the the performance of the front row uh you still got thomas tutoy who's trying to you know he was changed into a tight head a few years back and that's not always the the smoothest transition so still got a sense that he was um you know battling a bit there and i'm not sure what the sharks are going to do at hooker going forward truth be told they've lost some good ones over the years um Aka was a big loss and yeah we, we've got a few guys that will be fighting for spots there between you know, kieran van Furen and uh, dylan richardson and of course um you've got the experience there with uh craig burden as well so we'll see what they decide to do throughout the season there yeah yeah losing old uh, angry warthog there was a big loss he's, he's doing wonderfully at sales sharks at the moment so yeah i think yeah basically he left because he wasn't getting so obviously much starting time with old bismarck um reason also why he left the left left the scene you know and if he had stuck around i think just a couple of more seasons i think he would be great now for the sharks but you know you win some you lose some it's just unfortunately hard rolls um any more in that game for you wes yeah i mean i can't um i can't in good conscience not mention the back line it's an exciting sharks back line this season probably the best on paper to be honest out of all your south african teams and that um not so much yeah, flow necessarily absolutely yeah not so much flow on the game um so not too many opportunities but definitely they're going to be a, a backline to watch and the minute they build even more chemistry and they settle like the way that they they are you know Kerwin Bosch he's got that number 10 jersey locked down um probably well overlooked in the last few seasons and that as well you know even on form and everything just um not being considered as a first choice 10 I think was a mistake and he belongs there now and um yeah I'm looking forward to some good things from that Sharks team this season um what do you think is going to happen next season now who are they going to fit in at number 12 with Andre Estazing moving to Harlequins after this season yeah, I mean, you've got guys on the books like Marius Lowe. Um, you've got Jeremy Ward there as well. Um, and no doubt some players that are going to come up through the ranks. Jeremy Ward, technically a 13 though. Yeah, he's played some 12 before. Um, so it's it's no doubt a position that he can sort of fit into quite easily. Yeah, because yeah, Lukanyo Arm's got that 30 position pretty much down until he's ready to move on or retire. By the looks of things, he's, he's holding fast. I mean, also a Springbok 13, so... Not easily droppable for someone of that caliber in that position. No, yeah, and I, and I wouldn't. I mean, he, he is a leader. He's been he's quite an experienced player now. We forget about the amount of years he played uh, with the Kings as well. Um, so yeah, plenty experience there. Uh, he's played some twelve himself. So I don't think that uh, that position in particular will be too much of a problem. Um, I'm a big Estes and fan, so I'll I'll definitely miss him in that Sharks team. But there are options to to take that spot, and of course we're not considering who we don't know yet who might be coming up through the ranks from age group level and that as well. So always opportunities, you know, go out there and fight for it and get that position. Exactly. Oh, especially now we've got the Varsity Cup back on. Um, started I think this Monday. Um, obviously Marty's won the game, yeah. But yeah, like you say, with through the ranks, the guys they come up pretty early, and the way these guys are starting. At the age groups now, I mean, you're getting us that are 20, 19 starting now for your Super Rugby team. So it's always opportunity for them, you know, have one or two good seasons at your club or school level. And then you you set for life, basically, if you want to, if you, if you wanted that bad. Um, 
Alright, next up was the Sunwolves versus Rebels. Um, to be honest, I didn't watch too much of that game. Um, but what from I could see from the highlights, Rebels were absolutely nowhere. Whereas I know you do, I think you watched the game or not. Yeah, I did. And uh, yeah, I watched that game. Um, I had three Rebels in there. So I was expecting um, an extreme amount of points, you know, going in quite confidently. Um Nice Arani performed quite well for me, I must say. But um, yeah, no such luck with Frank Lamani and Matt Phillip. Um, but very impressed by the Sunwolves. I mean, you got to th- remember, this is a team of... It's completely different from seasons gone past. Um, it completely unrecognizable, to be honest. You know, we know some of the guys from various teams and that. But it's a completely makeshift team. And they look the best on the day. They just... They... they had cohesion going uh, in the forwards, in the back line. Um, very impressive performance by Ben Taylor, I must say. He made a lot of people miss tackles on him that day. Um, and yeah, quite quite exciting. You know, it's, it's a pity that it is their last season. Um, because they seem to have, you know, come along in leaps and bounds, improve every year. And that's exactly what you want, you know. So, bit of a pity losing the Sunwolves going, going forward now. Um, if I, I'll basically jump straight into players to watch there, but, um, you know, from either team from the rebels, I like, uh, someone like Richard Hardwick. He actually came in off the bench. Um, but when he did, he sort of changed the breakdown It started to look a little bit better. He, he had some good carries as well, actually ended up on some decent fantasy points, you know, more so than some of the starters. So... That's something yeah, that... Yeah, I saw, I think it was about 16 points, yeah, actually. Yeah, no, that's... If um, if they're looking to to get some momentum at all, you know, start those types of guys. You know, they're hungry, they want to play. Uh, Richard, he looked really good. And um, then a young captain from from the Sunwolves. Um, it's Kaisuku... Oh, sorry, Kaisuke Moria. He played number 13. Um Looked very good, especially out in open space. Couple of breaks in that as well. Uh, good on defense. I think that's what really impressed me about the Sunwolves is how they held their own on on the defensive end. You know, with with a brand new team, it's always difficult to get those uh, that communication of lines going, and they really did well there. Yeah, and it, it, there was reports of how the Sunwolves were only starting really training like two weeks before this tournament started, and the guys were saying they they weren't taking it seriously and things like that, but. Uh, Obviously, they, do, they clearly didn't need long to start cohooting together, especially without the likes of, like, you know, I mean, like Mafi, who was, yeah. uh, I mean, in his own right, a, br- a brilliant a brilliant player, and that's a big loss for them. Goth April, uh, I mean, as you know, in our Bourbon Bowl WhatsApp group, I mean, we all, I mean, I think it was Jared that asked us, you know, should he start Goth April over, I mean, who was it again that he wanted to start him over? It's Ker- over Kerwin Bosch, yeah. Over Koo and Bosch, and we thought, ah, oh, you're crazy, don't be mad. We jokingly said, start him, you know, you're going to get plenty of points, and there the man goes and does it, you know, and uh, proved us all wrong a bit, but it'd be interesting to see how he takes this team forward. He definitely shows some mobility and some some sleek footwork there. Yeah, he's the right type of player for them. They've always wanted to play that running style of rugby, and I know at the Sharks, he would, he would do stuff like that as well, so... Um, not afraid to to run from anywhere really um, and of course some good fleet footwork uh, like you mentioned and he's he's secure off the tee as well so that's everything you need in number 10 
he fits their game plan and yeah i think he's gonna he's gonna do well this season yeah also big shoes to fill i mean old hayden parker who also i mean was very underlooked the first couple of seasons when he's pumped on the scene because guys i mean he if i'm not mistaken he came from the highlanders before yeah um and he didn't play too well over that side and uh came into the Sunwolves and i mean jeepers did he not finish like second or third in points no he season? did um Ranked just, ranked very yeah, highly as a Mr. Mr. Sharpshooter, yeah. Yeah. Um perfect. So now we head on to the Crusaders versus the Waratahs, and that was a, a humdinger. Um Crusaders just being the usual Crusaders. Some interesting team selection. Um Bridge completely out of the twenty three, Sevu Reese on the bench. Um didn't get much time on actually as well. Um obviously the all blacks minutes now take take a slight factor into this but um oh Lester the replacement didn't do too badly and obviously old uh Will Jordan I think you got him Wes and didn't you weren't confident in how much game time you'd have but uh, he looked like he's he's definitely fighting for one of those spots him Avili and Lester both made it very difficult for old Razor to pick a back three yeah, no, that, that's going to be strictly rotation throughout the season. I don't know what to expect in any given week from the Crusaders selections there. Um, I know Bridge will be back this coming week. Uh, he had an extra week off. Um, obviously, the New Zealand uh, minutes factoring in, like you mentioned. Uh, I, I, I do think that Severis and, and George Bridge will be your predominant starters this season. Um, Havili... Yeah, absolutely. Havili's going to be on the field one way or the other. He's going to play 15 or he's going to slot into center at some point in time. Um, and he showed it this week, you know, 50, like 50 fantasy points. Just That's um, monster, the monster game. <laughs> Cheap as, I mean, absolutely, you, you used yeah. to see that getting from D-Mac, you know, no, not, not Havili. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, fantasy is not everything, but just watching the game, he created so much. Um, running the ball back from from 15 and then once he did shift to 12 just creating so much space he's just so elusive and he he really does create for the rest of the team so he's basically commanded a spot in that in that team i can only hope that will jordan's going to get more time and it's not like the waratahs were bad either no not at all they've they've lost some um experience um but they do have some some very secure players there as well and uh, some leadership so not a bad team bar by any means, but yeah, completely outshone on the day. Um, it's just so impressive to see those youngsters with such vision. You know, Lester was was incredible. He he's, he virtually couldn't be tackled on the day any time that he touched the ball. Um, Will Jordan has just got such an eye for open space. Um, he basically pointed out the gap before anybody else saw it um, in, on his second try. And he was just unstoppable in that um, in that channel. So, yeah, the Crusaders. And also for a guy of his size, deceptively absolutely. strong. Absolutely, you know, he's he's elusive. He's, tackle, he's extremely yeah. far. I think he uses that speed to break through tackles, um, and that was quite successful. The Crusaders, hands down, still the team to beat in this tournament. Yeah, and even with the the rookie uh, flankers, who I mean, Tom Christie stood up. Um, Sean a little bit. Um, Richie with a tight groin. Same sort of problem. He did it in training. Same as D-Mac, but he, he played through it. Just handy. Apparently, it was all discussed beforehand that Avili would kick, uh, which is interesting. It wasn't given on, on the game. So they knew Richie was injured going in. It's very surprised they started him. Um, 
Look, they've got Brett Cameron on the bench. Obviously, it's serviceable, not someone ideal, but the way David Avili was playing from 12 most of the time, um, I think Brett Cameron would have, wouldn't have made too much of a difference if he had started. I mean, do you think it was wise risking Richie like that? Yeah, I know with reports coming that it happened in training, I, I probably wouldn't have risked him, um, which would have allowed him more minutes within the next two games. You know, obviously they are capped at 180 minutes over three games. Um, I think against a a rookie fly half in Will Harrison from the Waratahs, I don't think that it was necessary to risk him. But um, at the end of the day, no harm, no foul, no more damage was done, and he's good to go against the Chiefs. So um, looking forward to seeing him get some more game time there, 10. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, battle. Or Cruden, if he gets a start versus Richie. Yeah, no, look, um, I think... Either way, this is this is going to be the battle um, around about finals time as well. I, I think the the Crusaders and Chiefs are going to go all the way down to the wire, um, each one minimum semi-finals. So you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, and I was insulted on the fantasy rugby group if I'm not mistaken about mentioning Chiefs taking the title overall. But the way they played, it looks like yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> that was me, but. Uh, you know, week one, uh, the Warren Gatlin factors already kicked in. And, uh, of course, the Hurricanes, uh, anyone predicting them going far, that probably blew up in their face. Oh, yeah, especially, I mean, I did mention that uh, the Chiefs did sign old Quinn. And, uh, I, but, I mean, I watched a lot of video footage of his school days and things, and he just he looked the part. Um, Waratahs, that new winger of theirs, uh, look, I'm going to call him Marky Mark. That surname is a bit difficult to pronounce. For your first podcast so as as the podcast go on we'll we'll try and spell it out yeah we'll but, break um, it down letter by letter what did you eventually. rate of him um oh just just uh you can't ask for a better debut two tries uh one extremely opportunistic which just means that he has an eye for the game and, and he read it well um and extremely quick out on the wing extremely strong so, yeah, a big, uh, bright future for, for Marky. Yeah, and uh, Will Harrison was serviceable too. I mean, they, look, they, there's now three young Australian fly-offs gunning for that Wallaby jersey. Um, and look, he had big boots to fill in Bernard Foley having that jersey for years. So it was always going to be difficult to fill regardless of who, which name came in there, even if it was a known name. Um, say, like a, even a Quaid Coop if they had signed him for some unknown reason. Uh, it'll be big boots to fill. Bernard's been serviceable, especially in fantasy, for years. Yeah, I know, absolutely. And look, I think there's going to be a bit of uh, rotation. I know there was a lot of talk preseason about Beal playing 10. Um, and I still expect them to take some chances on that uh, unless they feel like they're in a complete rebuild. Um, so Jack Maddox has been signed. He's going to get some starting game time, uh, whether that's out on the wing or at fullback. That may, it might mean a shift for Beal at some point in time as well. Yeah, because old Marky Mark can also play fullback. That was his predominant role too. That I think that has moved him to the wing because Beal was playing uh, 15. Um, but yeah, Beal to 10, he's played there before. Pretty good actually. He can even play center. So, I mean, he, he can shift wherever if there's an injury concern. They've definitely got the players to, to fill the gaps. Um, right, next up. Oh, this is going to be a short one. Stormers versus Hurricanes. Uh, wow, I don't think anyone saw this coming. Um, I know you predicted the Stormers to win in general, but a lot closer than what it actually was. Yeah, I thought it would be a lot more competitive, maybe come down to the wire. 
Um, Stormers win because of home field advantage, and they've kept a lot of those um, those Springbok players. Uh, major concern for the Hurricanes is I just you know my prediction was also based on the forward pack. Um, Stormers having such experience there, and the Hurricanes just just lacking and and missing guys like Artie Sevilla. Um, they were missing you know Dane Coles on the day as well. Um, so yeah, that that pack of forwards going backwards, it's hard to produce a good ball for the backline that they have. You know, such tremendous talent there. Um, they're going to be missing Bowden Barrett for a long time, uh, possibly for years to come. Um, but yeah, Fletcher Smith just looked out of his depth a little bit there, especially under pressure. I, I'd imagine there would be some rotation at ten there this year. You know, um, with Gordon Batchop as well. So yeah, that's that remains to and, be and seen. And Jordy too. Jordy can switch to ten as well. Absolutely, yeah, and that that might actually be an option. Yeah. Um, yeah, with Chase Tier available to play fullback. Absolutely. Too. You know, the Stormers just look complete. Um, very impressed with Jamie Roberts. I would actually consider him a player to watch, even though you know at his age you'd expect him to be good. But um, that's not something I was expecting. I was expecting him to get some. A few carries and kind of run straight into players and you know try and set up a phase but he actually uh, beat a few defenders and um, created on his outside so I think he also lifts the team just that international experience you saw him talking to the players a lot as well um, anytime there was a huddle he was involved so definitely sharing his experience there and I think he's gonna he's gonna help there quite a lot so he's gonna play a good mentorship role um, I would almost go as far as to say... The biggest concern with him, though, apparently was the the slow games that the Welsh normally play. That everyone was concerned that he wouldn't keep up with the pace, but uh, he seemed to handle it pretty well. I know in training he did say he's he's been stepped about <laughs> five or six times by Willemse in one session. So he said it's, it's going to take him some time to really catch up, but, I mean, he looked, what, 80% yeah, I mean, he there. played 80 minutes. Um, you couldn't ask for much more than that, really, as, as far as I know. He played 80 minutes anyway. Um, yeah, and, and he was in, in the Cape Town heat too. I think it was about 35, 36 degrees Celsius that day. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't think they've ever reached that in Wales. It's pretty cold. That <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, so so big Jamie, I think he's going to help the Stormers out a lot. Um, at the very least, he's going to lift the spirits of the team, knowing that they've got someone that's been so reliable for rugby over the years there. Um, and yeah, you mentioned it, Damien Willemser. What a game. Uh, it was super impressive. Um, I know that they, they seem to try and expose his channel a bit and he stood up in, in defense really well. And of course, he did his usual thing on attack, which is step people multiple times. And of course, that massive intercept break, a good 90 meter run. He deserved to be uh, subbed after that because I'm sure he would have been out of breath. Yeah, I think there was only about three minutes left in the game, so not short. But uh, also, out of that forward pack, Yaku Kutsia. Definitely a big shot for eighth man and uh, the Springbok setup with Khaleesi able to play six. Obviously, he's playing eighth man now, but obviously he got injured. Um, but definitely putting his hand up, especially, I mean, he's very much a Dwayne Vermeulen type of play without being as big as Dwayne is. Yeah, I know. Provided he can stay healthy, he's, he's, I mean, he had all the talent last year. I actually had him in my team last year for, for a few uh, games, and he was always serviceable for me there. This was probably the best I've seen him so far, um, which means his game has grown. Um, just pray that he can stay healthy. 
Yeah, it looks like he got also a groin or hammy. I haven't seen any news reports. I know the the injury report came out for the Stormers and everything was just about um, Tia Kulisia and Bongim Gurnambi. So it's maybe he, you know, skipped something bad there. Maybe it was just a, a, a how can I say, a dead leg or something to that effect. Um, Herschel Janchis was Herschel Janchis too. Yeah, no, Herschel was incredible. Um, before, he's, he's just playing well above his years. Um and has probably been now for, for the last two seasons, you know, even stepping up in that Springbok role last year. Nobody really knew what to expect. Very, um, very affable. Very Aaron Smith. <laughs> Absolutely, you know. He con- yeah, but also very Aaron Smith. Yeah. yeah, he controls the game really well. But he does, you know, I would say Aaron Smith almost in his younger days, you know, really just looking to snipe more. And he does it with such perfection. Um, yeah, very impressed. And I think he'll probably be... Yeah, he knows when to snap. It's not like he does it just to it. hope for the best. And I think he'll be probably be your, your top fantasy scrum off at the end of the, the season, I'd imagine. Oh, so you're putting him above the likes of Perinara and Tate McDermott, who played very well last year? Yeah, at, at least for now. Um, I just his, his vision has been incredible. You saw it in the Springbok uh, test team. Um, you saw it all pre-season as well, and he showed it once again now in, in game week one. Just that anticipation of where the ball is at all times, always looking for something, and he's he's basically got trial written all over him. Um, and also last year he battled for game time too, if I'm not mistaken. He didn't start the full season, correct? He only came in towards yeah. the last three quarters, actually. I mean, last quarter, because... Who was this come off at the time? Was it for Mark? Yeah, yeah, that was that was for Mark. Um, obviously being played for experience and that back then, but um, Herschel just proved the age-old saying, "Good enough, old enough." And he got injured or something spot. to that effect. Yeah. Um, I think the the Stormers are going to miss uh, Colisi. They're going to miss Mbunambi as well. Um, yeah. They do have fortunately enough experience around that can um, guard the youngsters and that. Um, but of course, you can't uh, match that type of leadership loss. Um, so, hoping that those guys get get well and uh, that we'll see them soon. The scary thing is they've still got the likes of Peter Steff to toy out there. Yeah, no, it's losing someone like Kalisi. You still got Peter Steff. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> just it's crazy the talent <laughs> they've got now in the loose. That's forward. just eighty minutes of pure energy. Um, don't know where he gets it from. One of the fittest guys in Super Rugby. Yeah, him and his boot too. His boot came on for. Um, Kulisi, I think it was, or Yaku Kutsia when one of them got injured, old. But um, also, apparently, both of them, um, I heard it from one of the commentators, I think it was old, um, uh, who was it? I think it was old, old Nick Mallet said that uh, used to go for runs with the guys, and uh, those guys were just, the guys, the rest of the Springbok team would be flat out on their backs, and Peter Sefti Toy still doing an extra 10Ks because he could. <laughs> I can imagine that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's been playing 80 minutes now for for seasons. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's incredibly fit, uh, incredibly durable. Um, and, yeah, I, I think he's going to be their leader, uh, at least until Kulisi comes back. Yeah, it's a, it's a good shot. Um, okay, then the last game was the Jaguars versus Lions. Um I only caught about 50 minutes before, you know, it's, it was pretty late our time. I think it was 1 a.m. in the morning it started. So, But from what I could see, Jaguar Warriors are going to be typical Jaguar Warriors at home, especially basically run you into the ground with just speed and that typical flair passing. And obviously, look, they got a bit of a, 
a blow with Bonilla going off earlier. I think it was like seven minutes or something to that effect. And then Miotti coming on and completely controlling the game. They're just oozing outflowers there after Nicolas Sanchez too. They was worried that they would battle in that section. But uh, those even Bonilla, I mean, last year he was pretty decent. So flower stocks in Argentina looking pretty good. Yeah, they just seem to be oozing out backline players in general. It's just absolutely incredible. They, you know, they're a full international side. A lot of those guys that are even on the bench have been internationals for Argentina before. Um, Mayotte, you know, beginning of the season, I think our league in particular thought he'd be starting anyway. Uh, Bonilla was picked up after Mayotte was in our league uh, and I think in a lot of leagues. So, yeah, I think Mayotte is more than capable and he's probably going to end up as one of your your top fantasy flowers by the end of the season, you know, particularly with consistent game time. Again, that's a very thin position. Some flowers are not kicking in the league. Um, uh, Lots of... uh, Isaac Lucas, for example. That's right, yeah. So whoever got Mayotte, I think that might have been my wife. (laughs) Um, she she's very lucky going forward throughout the rest of the season, you know. Yeah, I think I think my brother picked up Vanilla and he was pretty upset that uh, he got injured after like seven minutes. Yeah, no, that's it. Because um, his other fly off he picked up was Bowden Barrett, you know, looking towards the future. But now, I mean, he's only looking like what mid-April, so he's got he's got yeah, a problem. Yeah, that's it. You know, my my original plan going into the draft was, you know, if you weren't going to get Richie Mawango or a Kerwin Bosch. You might as well handcuff fly halves. And my original idea was to grab Mayotte and then grab uh, Bonilla a bit later. And yeah, I ended up missing out by a round on one of them. So that plan backfired. And I ended up um, handcuffing the two blues fly halves. And, you know, eventually I'm going to lose them to Bowden Barrett. So yeah, but, uh, you know, back to the game, I just thought that the Lions, once again, being out in Argentina, just looked out of sorts. Um, the scoreline reflects that. They just love sending their B or C team that side, and I just don't know why. It's like they're almost conceding the game. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange... Um, you know, people are asking questions about Similani. Uh I'm asking questions about Similani. It was my fourth-round draft pick, so I want to know where he is. You know, where? why would you be leaving that kind of talent at home? Um no answers yet out of the camp. We don't know if it's just purely selection-based, if there's an underlying niggle that's um, made him lose out on, on selection. Um, but yeah, the Lions just didn't look like they were even in that game for a second. The Argentines just uh, controlled it completely. And um, they look like they're going to go deep into the playoffs again. And, you know, the only way up for them would be winning this thing after being in the final last year. So I'm I'm pretty sure that they're going to be gunning for that big time. Yeah, and look, the Lions, with all their talent in the back line, you know, Skosan's been there a good couple of years. Elton Janchi's, you know, an, an ex-Springbok fly-off. You'd think he would control the game a lot better, but he just got as frustrated as everyone else. Getting Yaku Krill back, though, notice the news came out. Obviously, I don't know if people know, but he signed a three-year contract back with the Lions. His glasses didn't go as planned. Just not sure if we're going to get the same Yaku Creel that we've been used to. Um, s- seems to have that injury bug at the moment. Yeah, I think that's something that's plagued him almost his whole career. But um, they clearly have faith in him. A three-year contract. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him, him out on the field. 
I think a lot about that forward pack might change going forward as well with Willem Alberts coming into the fold as well. I'm not too sure where they're going to play him. Uh, you know, for me personally... Manus Kuman will probably... Because Manus Kuman was on the bench when Yaku Kriu was playing and coming on for with a good 30 minutes to go. And, um, but can you bench Manus Kuman at the moment? Les Masin was... I mean, he got about 20 fantasy points. So he, he basically earned his spot too. It wasn't like he only got... In fantasy terms, three points and was easy to drop, you know, for Yaku Creel or Manus Kuman to the back or whichever way you want to do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, look, I believe Manus Kuman is a is a starter in this league. He's he's one of the true out and out fetches in in SA rugby right now. Um, extremely strong, extremely low center of gravity. Uh, very good player to have when you're on the the fringe of those try lines as well. He seems to just find a way to get over. So uh, yeah, if I was to to predict a trio, I would probably have a Manuskuman with a, uh, a Yako Creel somewhere in there as well. Um, and then, you know, Vincent... Uh, I could imagine Alberts being a impact player off the bench, especially given his age, and he probably maybe need some time to get back into this sort of speed of rugby. I think if I had my way at this point in his career, I'd, I'd probably shift Willem to, to lock, to be lock, honest. Lock, yeah. Um, Look, they've got Marvin he's, Uri, he's got yeah. the heart... Absolutely, he's got the heart. He's played there before, so so why not? You know, he's going to bring you that extra mobility that you want around the park. Um, crunching hits. Him and Marvin Uri, I think, would make a good one. Yeah, and then of course uh, Vincent uh, Chikukwa. He's he's extremely um, talented, very versatile player as well, and and he's going to be fighting. You know, despite Jakob Creel coming back, he's going to be fighting for that spot. Um, so, again, it's a good problem to have that they've got that depth at, at loose forward, um, which is something that they haven't had for a few years now. And you're kind of going back to that period of time where you had good players that were on the bench or not making the 23 um, for the Lions because they had so much depth. So so that's I'm looking forward to that. Um, in terms of the backline selections, I don't know your thoughts. I was, I was somewhat confused. Um you know, Dan Creel, I always expected once he, he made that trip to, to Joburg that he was going to be taking a spot at, at inside. They always like a slightly bigger number 12. They've had Rowan Janser van Rensburg in the past and Harold Foster. Those are big guys. Um, but Yeah, Rowan eventually became a prop. Yeah. <laughs> and Duncan Matthews at 13. <laughs> I don't know what your thoughts are there. You know, I, I didn't experience much out of him at centre in the past. You know, when he played for the Bulls, he was a winger. Um, yeah, it was never really serviceable. How can I say? I mean, if you were had a few bar weeks going and you needed a wing to get you like mid-teen points, sometimes you you picked up a Duncan Matthews. But as a player, not highly rated in my books, just personally. Yeah, I mean, uh, really, uh, I think at the end of the day, he's going to be compared to a Similani. Um absolute game breaker, extremely impressive last year. Um, got a lot of fantasy points and not only that but he, you know he showed it on the field in true form so uh, yeah I would I would like to see what uh, what develops with that situation there yeah it's it's also going to be interesting with Andris or what they call him Bubu coming back from Japan um, they love him at 15 um, so now you're going to try and fit Skosan Tyron Green um Preferred preferred wings. Obviously, Skosan will obviously be wing. They they can't do without him. He's been one of their best players. Tyron Green also went missing in this game. Um, surprisingly, a lot of guys actually reached 
uh, in a lot of leagues that I saw. I mean, I don't know where he actually went in ours, but uh, guys reached for him, you know. They're like, even the sixth, seventh round, the guys were saying, well, he's he's talented enough to pick up at this, but uh, didn't prove it on this weekend. Yeah, I think guys are forgetting that the, the you know, when he made the most points last season, he was playing at 15. Um, once or twice he played on the wing. Uh, last year there was a point where the Lions were playing Andres Kutsia at, at wing and, and Tyron Green at fullback, um, just purely based on his ability in space. So that's another thing that I could probably consider for the team. Um, yeah, just somebody please give us an answer on Simulani. That's all I'm asking. Is uh... Yeah, it, it was interesting because I read an article where the guy actually had a whole spreadsheet on, on when the Lions were playing at home Simulani was basically picked almost every game, but when they travelled, he, he only played. I think like out of the, I, I can't remember if it was five or six games. He only travelled once, so maybe they're just trying to keep him fit for home. You know, it's, it's, I don't know. It is a long season. Maybe that's the answer. But uh, well, I mean, when when do teams start getting announced tomorrow and Thursday our time? Correct. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see if they pick him this game week. If not, then there's definitely a niggle. Then there's something. That we're not getting now look, uh, I would just say back to the game. All credit to the the, the Jaguaris. Um, they still look like they're going to be perennial contenders in this competition. Um, they, you know, Bonilla is going to be out for a little while now, as far as I know. Mayotte is going to start. Um, always a team. Yeah, Fuente is also out for a that's bit. That's right. You know, they so they're, they're losing some names too. Yeah. Sure, they they are experimenting at midfield. I expect a lot of rotation. Um, even, you know, some of the the team uh, training sheet that I've seen so far indicates uh, a few changes at outside back and midfield. Um, forward pack is going to look about the same. Um, so once again, they look a, a very well-rounded side that's going to compete. Oh, yeah, because I see uh, Delgi is also injured. He picked up something. Um. Yeah, they say he's got a, it's a niggle. And um, they'll keeping out uh, precautionary for this week. Yeah, yeah and I, I'm not sure which one of the players it was, but they said he'll be. It's only about ten days. I'm not sure if that is Bonilla. Yeah, that's possible. I don't think it was a uh, anything major. Nothing that I've seen news-wise uh, says he's going to be out for a prolonged period of time. But uh, this is uh, Mayotte's opportunity to take that number ten jersey. Yeah, and I suppose it was. I mean, if you did have him, I mean, it can't be as bad as news as seeing Ricky on you have with a hand fracture. I mean, that must be hurting you at the moment. Yeah, you know, I'm on. I'm on about my uh, my second bourbon now, um, and it's going to be full glass, obviously. Yeah, basically a full glass, no ice, and um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that one really hurt. Um, so you know, cried in the bathroom once or twice, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a sore, a sore one until he comes back. And then, um, hopefully a, a big celebration and a title defense. Yeah. Hopefully not a big celebration at his house. Cause it looks like there's some issues there too. Yeah. So I've heard, I, I haven't got the invite yet. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, got it's, any... it's, look, it's, it's, it's a bit far <laughs> to travel to for a little 2am party. It is, but you've got to have a very rare bourbon on offer um, to get me to travel to any party outside of my own house. Now, looking up, I'm sure the contract he's on, I'm sure he can afford something that nice. You know what I mean? It's a little Peppy Van Winkle. Yeah, <laughs> how class. Um, right, let's move on to the next segment with some Game Week 2. Um, Landers off their bar. Um, I believe the Sunwolves gone bar. So, and I believe I mean look. I think we've only got two players that picked up a Sunwolf. So, 
not too much of an issue uh, there. Looks like the first game up is Highlanders versus the Sharks. Um, I'm going Sharks by eight, just the way the Sharks looked. That backline look, yeah, you, few forward issues, but uh, the Highlanders have also lost a few, few, few players and things like that. So I, it'll be tight, but I think the Sharks eventually head away with the eight. Yeah, look, obviously the the travelling always tough. Um, but the Sharks would have little to uh, little excuses to make. Um, they've got a very established side, and uh, you know they expect to go far in this competition this year. So, um, yeah, go Sharks, and and I'll call it Sharks by about seven. Okay, and then we've got the Brumbies versus the Rebels. Um, just by the looks of that Brumbies team and that speed, and or Solomon making making moves there, I'm. Pretty much going Brumbies by 18. Uh, the highlights I did watch, Brumby, um, sorry, the Rebels were defensively horrid. And the way Brumbies were running lines, especially Tom Banks doing his, his in and outs, um, I think it's, it could end up being quite a harding. Yeah, I tend to think, uh, you know, similarly, although the factor in that it isn't a derby as well, where teams seem to be a little bit more familiar with each other, I think the the rebels were completely shell shocked last week, um, possibly complacent, and that's uh, you know, sort of just showing up and expecting to walk over the Sunwolves, and that backfired. So I do still expect the Brumbies win, but I'll call it closer than that at about ten. Okay, that's, that's probably a good good line to have it. Um, then probably the game. This this could even be the final now in game week two already. Crusaders versus the Chiefs. Um, some big boys playing up against each other but uh i'm look the way that crusaders guys were just gelling after game week one already those depth little passes and things like that um it's gonna be tight but i think the crusaders could even edge it by nine um three penalties richie's been pretty decent on the off the tee so i say nine points to the crusaders yeah i think simply for me um the the chiefs are still going to be missing damien mckenzie um They've had one or two losses. I still expect them to be uh, right up there, and I agree this could be a final. Um, but in games like this, when you need all the experience in the world and the leadership, um, what the Crusaders have to offer uh, is, is is still compelling for me. So I'm going to go the Crusaders by seven, a close game as well. Waratahs versus the Blues. Um, it's going to be difficult to know what Blues are going to turn up because look, I mean, it happened last year. You got the Blues that were being destroyed, and then the Blues that came by and beat you by thirty. So, a bit difficult to predict. But um, if the Waratahs still persist with like a Will Harrison in there, and with uh, yeah, look now with the news of the Blues losing Rico as well. But I think um, they've got they've got that new kid coming up. That uh, I think his name's Inari Narawa or something to that effect. I might be butchering it, but uh, also very hyped up and. Um, Got, I mean, got some good minutes. So, I'm going Blues actually by four. Funny enough, might be might, uh, might be an underdog score, but I'm going Blues by four. Yeah, look, I'm going to go Blues by a lot more. I just I don't see the Waratahs contesting this year. I personally feel like they're in a rebuild. Um, you know, they do have some experience there as well, but they've just they've lost some key impact players, and and some guys I still believe are being played out of position. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I, I see, you know, minus Rico, it's going to be a bit tough for the Blues. But they've still got game breakers and they are also hurting. Um, so I think that they are going to win by, you know, plus 15, call it 
call it 15 points, yeah. Okay, so you're going for a big win by the Blues, expecting the real Blues to turn up. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and maybe maybe to a degree a less distracted Blues. So um, I'll keep those, that reasoning to myself until I, I, I'm proven right. And All then right. I'll um, mention that in our final podcast. All right, perfect. Um, next game is Lions versus the Reds. Um, two pretty much teams that are still trying to find their feet um but i think the lines were just you know that i mean with andrews coming back they'll get a bit more stability hopefully elton can play a bit of a better game which we know he is capable of at times um i think they're a lot more i mean the uh, the reds uh, loose forwards are some young guys that harry wilson looked pretty good though um was pretty decent but I think just the Lions forwards will, will, will win this game for them. But I'm going Lions by six. Yeah, I think the Lions back at home, um, possibly starting a stronger team. Reds having to travel. They haven't been particularly good at that over the years. Um, and still a very young team as well. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, Lions. I'm going to go Lions by 12. Um, you mentioned Harry, and that's actually something that I forgot to say when, you know, we, when we... Um, did the summary of their previous game um harry wilson definitely looks like one for the future he would be a player to watch in that game for sure yeah i mean i just saw some stats earlier um guy i mean he had like four turnovers like 12 tackles and meters made he scored a try so i mean at both ends of the park he's, he's pretty good um also i forgot to mention that game old i've got old jordan uh, pataya and he's well, he was double teamed all game so hopefully he can get me some points against this line, especially if they don't pick Simolani, um, which won't be good for you, but might be good for me, you know, defensively. Yeah, no, rub it in, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, right, then the next one, another SA derby that everyone looks forward to, at this, uh, especially here in Cape Town, um, Stormers versus the Bulls. Um, two very different game styles. Um, and, yes, Stormers lose Khaleesi and lose Bongi, but they've got Skarim Tubeni, can come in, do his thing. And uh, like I say, I mean, if Yaku Kutsia is still healthy and can play then, and Peter Steff there, I mean, you, you don't need really need someone of a Springbok caliber to fill in that number six. But they've got Peter Steff's brother, who's been more than serviceable for them. Um, I'm actually going Stormers by 11. Yeah, I, I don't know um, how much you can actually factor in a derby in this game. These are two completely different teams. They're going to play a different style um, I'm going to hinge this all on how the Bulls make their selections this week. Um, I think the bottom line is they can't go conservative. They need to uh, get some game breakers into that side, maybe starting with a different halfback combination, perhaps Ambrose Papier with Marnie Liebach, for example. Um, you know prediction pending but right now if they go anything remotely close to what they had last week i'm gonna have to go stormers by about 18. yeah i see uh, but also i mean can can ambrose papier and uh money lubbock as good as he is compared to a junchies and uh damien villains a combo um no i don't think a halfback combo in south africa can to be honest um that's definitely uh, the the Rolls Royce of of SA combos right now. Yeah, and also I think the Shark centers are also a little bit better than what the Bulls are putting up to offer at the moment. Uh, uh, 
too, and also Storm. But yeah, that's that's the main concern for the Storm is though as well. As, I mean, like you say, Jamie Roberts has been good, but uh, Ronell at thirteen, I'm still not convinced being a sevens convert. Yeah, I know. Look, um, Ronell has gets the job done. Absolutely, but, uh, you know he's he's done his thing. Um, he's had good games and he's had negative games, so um, very difficult to predict what type of Ronell is going to arrive. Um, there's also, you know, we know Nafi Tuitavaki has been signed by the Bulls. I don't know when he's going to show up, um, but I think they need him sooner rather than later because he would offer them something different in that back line as well, whether that comes from the wing position or from center. Um, but until he arrives, yeah, I would have to agree that that uh, center combination, uh, not not 100% up to scratch. Um, Berger Urendal as an individual has often um, shone, uh, but he, he hasn't had a, a true partner for for many years now. So um, hopefully they can find him something as well. Yeah, I noticed he had a trim though, so it's looking a lot less scary. So maybe not as intimidating to the opposition. <laughs> yeah, no, the rat tail's gone. <laughs> I remember the rat tail came off at some point last year. I stand corrected, maybe slightly before that. Um, he's looking neat, he's looking sharp. It's all uh, business in the front and back now. No, yeah, no more parties. He's going to leave that to Uncle Rico. Um, right, then the final game is, uh, depending what Hurricanes turn up, could be a humdinger of a game, uh, Yaga Warriors versus Hurricanes. Um, but if the Hurricanes, I mean, let's be honest, it, that was basically their, their starting 15. It wasn't like they made some op decisions. I mean, that was, even with a Billy Proctor there and a Geordie playing in the back, no chase tier tier, for example, they had the West Horsen, they had their Ben Lambs, there was no excuses. So if that's if that's the best they're going to offer this year, then um, it'll, it'll be tight still. But I'm going Jags by seven. The way that Jaguars, Jaguars played, I mean that they're, they're going to be difficult to stop. Yeah, look, I think the Hurricanes are going to uh, come out firing. It's going to be uh, a different team. Um, I think you know the the coaching staff and everything like that. That's changed and losing Bowden Barrett. It's going to be difficult initially. Um, but they are hurting. They're going to try their best. Um, I still expect that. That's the thing. Yeah, I, I, I still expect the Jaguars to come out of this fairly comfortable winners. Um, but I think at a certain point in this game, the commentators will be mentioning something along the lines of the the Hurricanes having their first uh, points on the board for the season. So um, I don't expect a 27-0 drubbing like they got last week. Let's call it Jaguars by by 10 um i still think that's one of the best attacking teams in the tournament and uh, the hurricanes don't look all there communication wise on defense um and also the bottom line is they've got one man to mark in in um, in that hurricanes team and that's lao mape and he was taken out of the game last week and subsequently everybody else didn't shine you know they didn't play well so um yeah yeah, because look, the next man, the next man, the next man out is Billy Proctor, and he's not that type of player to give you any sort of. He's the type of guy you, you Lomape gets a clean break or finds a gap and puts the man through it. That's Billy Proctor's role, you know, same as his boot was, um, just a finisher really. He's mm, just the last pass guy. Yeah. So, um, if I have uh, one question for the week, I would just ask uh, your prediction on the highest scoring fantasy player coming up this week. Oof, high-scoring fantasy player. Um, 
I see. I was going to say someone from the Crusaders, but uh, they are playing the Chiefs, so it won't be as easy as a walkover as they've they've had before. Um, might look. I'm going to go. I'm going to go way left field here. I'm going to say it might even be uh, Bofelli. I can see Hurricanes giving away a few penalties in their half, and the guy's got a boot on him. So I'm going to go Bofelli. He didn't get too many bad points this past game week, so I'm going to go Bofelli, highest point scorer of this week. Yeah. So I, I think. I think we've got um, Severis is going to uh, play about 60 minutes this week. Um, so I'm going to say that's more than enough time for him to, to be the highest point scorer. I know they're playing against the Chiefs, but I expect a lot of free flow running rugby, lots of counter-attack opportunities. Um, and he's the kind of guy... Weather, weather pending, obviously. New Zealand likes to surprises with a drenched game with these sort of caliber games yeah so sure like, no no acts of god aside i'm gonna go uh several reefs for this week. okay so he's gonna get about 95 points four tries and 300 um, meters give or take okay <laughs> yeah, and, give or take, and two receiving yeah. touchdowns you say um we'll talk about that in september all right <laughs> and well done to the chiefs by the way not not the waikato the kansas city chiefs are winning the super bowl 50 years it's about time um well, that's all. That's all from us. This first podcast. Hope you guys have enjoyed the content. Um, yeah, we, we we will try and clean it up a bit more with a few more underneath our belt. It's obviously a bit nerve wracking, even though nobody's watching you. But uh, it's, Wes, thank you very much for joining. Um, I know it's a I know it's a school night, but uh, uh, we are, we'll we'll get back to you guys. Hopefully, we'll look to plan to. Drop these a bit earlier, hopefully on the Mondays following the the, the game weeks. Um, this was our first one, took a bit of teething issues, um, especially being in different locations, you know, finding ways to podcast with the cleanest audio and things like that. But um, Wes, thanks thanks again, but and uh, thanks for our listeners for listening. Yeah, thanks very much. And I, I would just uh, like to say that, uh, you know, some might question our credentials. We don't have any. We are not professionals. We just love sport and we love rugby and this is based on just general observations um and yeah the guys just open up the platform you know people like to talk about this and um why not have have more podcasts out there where guys can just share their ideas and opinions uh we'll hopefully be introducing guests in that as well in in future episodes um i look forward to a good season yeah Thank exactly you. yeah especially i mean this so you get a lot of New Zealand Kiwi podcasts, Australian podcasts, not many SA podcasts coming through. And it's nice to have a, you know, so having a perspective on these sort of games and especially the SA players. And not a lot of the Kiwis or Aussies know about our guys. So it'd be nice to bring that sort of element to the podcasting world. All right. Now, thank you guys That's very it. much for listening and uh, see you guys next week. Ciao, ciao.